This podcast and the following message are brought to you by Vehicle Acquisition Network. When you're trying to keep your pre-owned lot stocked with high-quality, in-demand vehicles, dealing with auctions can be costly and time-consuming. Plus, you always risk having your price bid up by competing dealers. With Van, you go straight to the source, acquiring pre-owned vehicles directly from private sellers in your target market. Vehicle Acquisition Network saves you time and money by automatically searching online listings to locate your most sought-after units from independent sellers in your area. Find the pre-owned vehicles you want faster than your competitors and for hundreds less than you would pay at auction. For more information, text BUY WITH VAN to 64600 or go to autoconverse.com forward slash VAN. For folks that are tuned in, thank you for being here. As you can see, uh, we have a, a nice uh, guest lineup today with Ed French with Auto Profit, Aaron Gomez at KMG, and we're gonna we're, we're gonna open up today's discussion around uh, acquisition strategies of CarMax and Carvana. Uh, Carvana recently uh, released a video uh, touting uh, their their interest, I guess you could say, in purchasing from, uh, purchasing, you know, vehicles from private sellers. And, uh, that prompted a conversation of, uh, a couple of weeks ago with Aaron and I in conversation, Jason, I see you just popped up here and you're welcome to be here. Oh. <laughs> hey, thanks. Your face. Uh, Jason Rice, you know, Aaron and Mark, I believe, I don't know if you and Ed know each other. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we know um, each other. We're, we're we're great friends. Well, then, good timing. So, uh, Jason, I imagine you popped up here because you saw what the topic was. But Aaron, what is significant about uh, Carvana's, you know, new ad to uh, buy, buy, you know, buy your car? You know, I, th- I think a lot of people have seen that uh, a lot of their offers are just kind of kicking everybody in the in the dirt. I mean, like. You know, they're, they're really capitalizing on some of this stuff that CarMax has been doing for a long time and offering to buy cars. But with that new technology, uh, I, I wouldn't even say it's new technology. I've, I've known people to use the license plate technology. But to uh, go and pick up a car um, that essentially they're buying from a consumer uh, for sale by owner and uh, pay them cash for that car. Um, I think Ed mentioned that they still need... Uh, wet signatures and you know i've seen it been done without i mean maybe for power of attorney but you know the title stuff but the DocuSign has you know proven to be a model that a lot of people that are in that business are are kind of transitioning into so um you know basically what i see is carvana taking what carmax has been doing for you know since the inception um you know, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy our car. And they're taking it to a whole nother level to uh, maybe, you know, some things that some profitable wholesalers have been doing. So this is very interesting to see kind of what their strategy is uh, with buying cars from consumers, um, how they're getting their valuations. You know, I, I haven't gotten to personally see it, but I'm very interested in how they're, uh, you know, reconciling the cons- conditions that the customers are stating for their vehicles at the point of 
transaction or, or cash being issued. Um, I can see that as being a big problem that a lot of people have, have been working on if they're in the business. But um, to my knowledge, Carvana doesn't really have a, yeah, I'm sure that they're working through those processes right now, but they seem to be jumping in with some very strong offers. Jason, do you have any knowledge or insight into Carvana's trade process? No, no, I really don't. To be honest, um, you know, it's obviously, I think any dealers that can start picking away at private sellers, because uh, trades are going to be tough this year with new car sales. If they get light, I think trades are going to be one area dealers really need to focus on. Um, so obviously, if they can not just wait for customers to show up on their lot, but be proactive, chase them down is going to be a huge, uh, huge area that dealers need to focus on. So if any of them can piggyback like you know, Carvana is doing the CarMax, but taking another level, if they can at least do what the other ones are doing to stay ahead of that curve. Because if not, these guys are going to struggle. You don't want your inventory all be purchased cars. It makes it tougher. We did a, we did a uh, session like this almost two years ago, talk, talking about Carvana. And uh, it was spearheaded at, at the time by Steve Stoning, who had put out this this um, kind of campaign is that how Carvana will fail and, and what they can do to succeed. And I remember in that conversation, what one of the things that came out of it was one of the ways for Carvana to succeed over time is they're going to have to uh, adopt other, you know, current processes built into buying and selling cars. So here we are a couple of years later and we're seeing that they're, they're embracing, you know, something that, been in the in the car business, uh, they're not innovating. They're just embracing something that's staple in the business. So, Ed, I mean, from your perspective, where you're coming from, um, you know, what what's your take on that? I think it's a natural evolution. Uh, obviously, they have they still do not have a profitable position. They're still have, they still have a significant cash burn. And if you look at the quarterly reports that they. Uh, published because obviously they're a publicly traded company, you can see that their grosses, their front gross profit without F&I is just now eclipsing $1,200 a car. So this acquisition strategy that they're embarking on is purely a play to get a costing advantage because they've had to go to the street just like everybody else, but they haven't had the luxury of a, a new car franchise to acquire trades. So they're having to acquire them through the normal traditional channels. And to Jason's point, there's just no juice in that squeak. And by the time you recondition them and price them uh, market ready, um, they couldn't get any growth. So they had to adopt this uh, uh, acquisition strategy in an effort to try to uh, get the uh, company to some closer trajectory to profitability. And, um, you know, when you've got a company burning $50 million a quarter, um, you got to change your model. They sold 100,000 cars in 2018. Uh, the front page of Automotive News at the end of January, uh, the CEO uh, proclaimed that he wants to sell 2 million cars. Well, you're not going to sell 2 million cars at an average loss of about $800 a car uh, and still be there to be able to sell those 2 million cars. So, they had to adopt this uh, strategy. They also looked at CarMax. You know, CarMax is buying everything. If it starts to run some drives, if it rolls in there, they'll buy it. 
And their strategy, uh, as I'm sure you all are aware of, they wholesaled 400,000 cars left. So they've got their own auctions. Uh, their profitability, if you read their quarterly reports, their profitability on their auction business, uh, their wholesale business is uh, outstanding. So I think Carvana is looking at this as a play uh, to do two things. One, uh, they need more cars. If they're going to go, if they're on this trajectory for 2 million units, they need more cars. Two, they need to have a costing advantage. And three, I think that they're, you'll see them in the wholesale business. It's like Auto Nation's built a wholesale platform, just like uh, CarMax has built a wholesale platform. And frankly, I, I think it's clearly 100% just a way to get the company to profitability because eventually they're going to run out of venture capital at the burn rate that they're on. Sure. Now, for, for contrast, you said Carvana sold 100,000 cars in 2018. Yes. How does that compare to um, to CarMax? They sold seven hundred and seventy thousand. And what about AutoNation? Do you know that their numbers? I don't because well, I see them published, but I'm not sure they're factual. Um, and I, I I really don't follow AutoNation that closely, um, only because they're really not a true used car powerhouse. They are. They sell a lot of used cars just because of the sheer fact that they have a phenomenal number of new franchise locations. But if you look at their actual used car operational business, it's not nearly as good as some of the privately owned used car or privately owned franchise groups. So I really don't follow them. All. So seven hundred seventy versus a hundred thousand, and you're saying Carvana wants to get to two million. And uh, you said two years, you said? Well, they'd like to be there by 2022. Okay. So, yeah, it's pretty aggressive. I yep. mean, look, the CarMax, as, as, as we know, are they a competitor to franchise dealers or you know, to, the, to the dealers? Yeah, in the used car business, they have some advantages because of their you know, size nationally, you know, their own wholesale network. So I think to your point, Carvana is like, hey, this is the direction we have to go. The, the writing's on the wall, as, as you pointed out. Does that make Carvana, is Carvana a threat to your traditional dealer model, the, the, the smaller guys? I would say absolutely. There is no question. Yeah, they are absolutely a threat. They are a disrupt. And, you know, Uber took the cat taxi business to their knees. Uh, Amazon, we all seen that movie. We know what they've done to the retail uh, storefronts. Uh, we know what Walmart did to the normal mom and dad five and ten cent store. Uh, Carvana is on a pathway to disrupt the retail automotive ecosystem when it comes to used cars. And uh, I think everybody on this panel would agree that the used car business is very fragmented. You know, if you sell 770,000 used cars and be the largest and you only have a 2% share of the total used car market, um, there's a lot of room for everybody, but the ones that will win will have the most convenient experience. They're going to offer an opportunity for more than just a purchase, and they're going to sell beyond the product. Those would be the three takeaways that I see Carvana uh, attempting to accomplish. 
But, but I would say, and this is Jason, if you don't mind, um, every dealer has the ability to do but Carvana other than their vending machine and CarMax does, you know, every dealer can do home at home deliveries. Every dealer could do a three or seven day buyback. Every dealer can do online financing. All those things are available to a dealer. I mean, the only difference, you know, between the mom and pop and the Walmarts, Walmart was able and Amazon to be able to do this is they would be able to buy in bulk, buy hundreds of thousands of a product at a cheaper price point to then out price the mom and pop stores. And that's what the internet's doing um, everywhere. Uh, Carvana's and everybody else. I mean, yeah, maybe they can buy in bulk from an enterprise or anywhere else, but they got to stand in the lane just like everybody else too. So they end up, you know, owning their cars. Now the overhead and stuff might be different, but um, you know, the, the market advantage of, of what they can do to disrupt the dealers can do themselves to protect them. You know what I'm saying? A dealer can do what those guys do and to protect their assets and their dealership. But I think, um, with millennials and everything nowadays too. And this, think of this trend. I've been watching it. Millennials um, actually like to buy from the mom and pops and little boutiques and antique stores and the, and the one-offs. They feel special, especially if that product gives back to a certain cause and stuff like that. So these, these millennials and the, and the younger buyers and the people coming up do like customer service. They, don't, they do mind uh, having somebody there to help them but they also don't want to get ripped off and want to make it convenient for them. So if you can cater to both, and that's the biggest benefit the dealerships has is their staff. And that's this, and this is going off a whole other key, a whole other point. But when I look at this, the, the big differentiator is their staff. And the funny part is when you go to at least 50%, but as high as 70% of these dealerships websites, the staff page is not updated. There's a pictures are all different and all those other things, but that's the differentiator because you can do everything that these Carvanas and everybody else does, but you get to have be part of the community. You get to have people that get involved with the community and give back and you get to, you know, have one-on-ones and persons involved and somebody to call if something goes wrong. And um, so I, you know, as a dealer, I'd be afraid like, Ed was talking about it, it's a disruptor, but man, jump on the bandwagon, do what they're doing, but just enhance it with your staffing and, and what you can do with the community and everything. Jason, Jason I'd love to add to that if I can. I, you're right, Jason. All those points are unbelievably valid. There's one piece that Carvana doesn't have, and there's one piece that CarMax didn't have, and that was legacy. Legacy causes dealers to hang on to processes that made them wealthy or sold them a lot of cars way beyond their sell-by date. And so because of this legacy, you know, we, we go to NAD and we look at all these great digital retailing programs and somebody uh, buys it, brings it back, and uh, the implementation is either met with an eye roll or it's met with uh, low adoption. And so, frankly, uh, you're right, Jason. Dealers have the, the same level playing field. The unfortunate thing is you can't take a legacy selling process and a legacy mindset and adapt it to today's digital environment. And that's where I see the biggest disconnect as I go out in the field. Um, you've got folks that are hanging on to stuff uh, that they shouldn't be hanging on to when it comes to processes. And they also have things that they need to do that they're slow to adopt because they still think that the internet's a fan. So good points, Jason. Yeah, I'd like to jump in there, Ryan, as well, and build on, on what Jason was saying. You know, you made a great point, Jason, with regard to 
Um, Carvana is really not doing anything that is not available to any franchise dealer uh, or any used car uh, superstore. Um, and that's really the e-commerce platforms that are available now. And uh, specifically with Roadster and, and a good logistics supplier can put you in the game. But I think that to add and Jason's point, you really have to be customer focused um, and prepared to do uh, what you need to do to modify your processes that may have worked uh, 10 or 15 years ago to uh, um, to a, a customer centric as you just have up on the, uh, the piece. It's got to be frictionless. You have got to make the process less cumbersome. Uh, for the customer, I think when we look at all of these players in the industry, uh, going back to uh, Aaron talking about CarMax, which was really one of the pioneers uh, through you know the the recent acquisition of uh, Dealer Science with uh, uh, TrueCar, uh, it's all about the customer, putting the customer at the the forefront, making this process frictionless, whether you're selling vehicles or you're buying them for your pre-owned inventory. You know, Jason, while you were talking about. Uh, you know, some of the advantages that a dealership has, and you referred to staff, I was reminded of, uh, I was, on, you know, cars.com recently integrated the dealer rater platform. Yeah. So when, you, when you're looking at a, at a vehicle on cars.com, you have the option to see staff members. But if mm-hmm. you look at a Carvana listing, you don't have that. Yeah. What, is that, that is, that's a competitive disadvantage for Carvana. And what, what, yeah. What can I, they do about that? That you know that it hit, it hit me to, just this week. I bought a new computer, a new um, uh, Microsoft Pro Six or something, whatever it's called, tablet. And uh, I was shopping online quite a bit. And matter of fact, um, I still wasn't sure if that was the product I wanted to buy. So I was going to go to the local Home Depot or Best Buy. I'm sorry, and um, they closed down one of the Best Buys here retail that was closest to me. So I got to drive the other side of town. And I remembered like a Costco or Sam's also had this product. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to stop at the Costco on the way just in case, just to see what it is. Cause then I realized at this point in time, the only reason why I was going to go to Best Buy is get, try to get some expert input on, is this the right computer for me? And maybe switch to something else. If I see a benefit and maybe get somebody to help me. And I realized I'm going to get there and more likely that person's not going to know what I'm talking, you know, they're not going to be able to help me. I'm just going to get a greeter and somebody just to hand me my package type of thing. And uh, now Best Buy is usually better than that. But this was my example. Just this is no different than the Home Depots and the Lowe's. And why do I go to Amazon instead of chasing all over town? It's like, because when I go into Walmart or when I go into one of these stores, I can't get anybody to help me. But man, if I had somebody help me and go, oh, you're doing plumbing and you're going to need this, you're going to need this. And I'd walk out with a handful of stuff but I know they're not. So I might as well just order it online and then get it in my house in a day or two and just deal with it because I'm not going to get that service. But that's what dealers can provide right now. It's the same as just buying these cars, these customers with the numbers still up to 60 something percent that people come in and end up buying 60% of them buying something different because they actually end up sitting down with somebody and somebody's qualifying them and figuring out what their wants and needs are and go, Oh, but you're going to do that. Well, you probably don't want this car. You're going to want this. And here's why. So the staffing to me is this huge differentiator between these services. So, you know, piggyback on what, how the customers want to buy the car, if they want to do financing online, if they want to do the buy, but you know, when it comes to the people and getting somebody to hold their hands is their huge advantage, huge, but it's not looked at as much. I don't so think. So let's think about this. If, Carvana has, you know, vending machines, which I would argue a dealer could do that too, if that's what people, if that's what consumers need. You do, you do a lot, a large part of the process online, and then you go and get your car at the vending machine, or they deliver it. 
you know, CarMax now is doing a pilot program where they're going to, you know, bring the car to you. Uh, That's, you know, kind of big news for them. But let's think about the trade-in process. How is Carvana going to, do we know how they're going to support that? Are they going to send someone out? Um, You know, I know there's services out there where a mechanic, a certified mechanic can go and do the inspection and handle all that. Um, Ed, I mean, do you know how they're going to facilitate the, uh, that acquisition? I, I don't. Um, my suspicion is that they're, uh, they're going to, uh, uh, use software to, and, and video technology and somebody somewhere in Phoenix at the Carmack or Carvana headquarters would be, uh, saying yes or no to the car. Much like what Sonic does, you know, Sonic centralized all their appraisals for all their automotive stores. So I'm guessing that's it'll take on some look like that. So this all boils down to what does the local dealer need to do? And Aaron, you might have some input on this. You know, what does uh, I've been listening and and kind of trying to figure out. You know, we we talked about Carvana basically not doing much that a retailer that couldn't do themselves. And, um, you know, something that I've been watching very closely is they are doing something that, I mean, nobody out there is doing besides one person that I can think of, or maybe two people there, you know, you talked about the trade process. They're taking a picture of their license plate, getting your miles and they're giving you a cash offer for your car. Um, you know, and they're coming to pick it up. They're sending drivers to come pick up the vehicles um, for their acquisition. You know, like we can say that that a retailer or a franchise has that ability, but not not that I've witnessed. I've never seen um, anybody go to that link to pick up what's the top performing segment in the used car department, which is the trade, um, a car that somebody's been driving on the street. Um, CarMax, AutoNation have identified this. You know, they're, they're building, like we talked about, um, wholesale, you know, branches of their business, which is a trade that doesn't meet um, their retail parameters. They're sending it right through their own auctions, and it's been a great profit center for them, uh, you know, multi-million dollar profit center. Um, you know, I think what, and I don't, I want to use the term scare very lightly. Um, some of my background is acquisitions from consumers, um, you know, trying to sell their vehicles on, on different forums privately. Um, Carvana appears to be attacking that segment with full gusto. And, and I think that's what they're doing that Ed mentioned that, hey, they're going to bring the profit margins closer to a, an actual profit. Um, you know, no, no dealership in Houston is sending somebody down to the south side of Houston to pick up somebody's uh, car that they have for sale or their trade. Um, I think CarMax, when they announced that they're going to start streamlining the, you know, the the retail sales experience by um, delivering cars to the customer, I think they're capitalizing on something that maybe Broom originally had tapped into. We want to deliver your car and give you guarantees of seven days and 300 miles, bring the car back. And, and you know, I think that that's a great process. What I'm more focused on is what Carvana is doing on the acquisition side. Um, they're attacking what we just spoke about in the very beginning part of this conversation. Um, you know, we're talking about new car sales may be struggling and struggling to acquire the trades. 
they're going to struggle a lot more with Carvana going after every single trade out there and telling people that they just need to, and from the looks of it, they don't mind losing the money. Um, you know, they're, they're going to take the license plate technology. They're going to shoot out an offer. I don't think it's going to be like, uh, I think Ed said about, um, auto nation where there's a centralized, uh, buying center in Florida. I think they were in Florida, but Carvana's in um, Phoenix or, or in Arizona. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be technology-based, shoot out a number, and we're standing by our number. What I'm curious about is how they're going to validate that offer once they pick up a car. And, you know, is it the driver going to say, hey, man, this thing's got a blown transmission? Um, I, I don't, I'm very curious to see how that process works. But in theory, what they're doing with shooting out offers, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy your car. I mean, I think they're going to grab a lot of great trades. I think it's going to cut down on the recon time to get them ready for the vending machine. I think they're going to offer better quality cars than they could get by going to Hertz or a traditional auto auction. You know, they're going to get desirable pieces with great, great clean Carfax. Um, you know, I, I have not witnessed the technology firsthand, but I, I can delineate through multiple sources but you know i think that that's probably the scariest part about carvana 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 um you know is their acquisition strategy moving forward and trying to get to that number that they want to reach um it's it's i think it's a great idea i think it's going to and to talk about uh disruptors i think it's going to disrupt uh you know the wholesale business i think it's going to disrupt um you know what a traditional you know, I was just talking to a, a great um, mentor in, in in the industry, and you know, the days of uh, getting the the trades and hitting them at ten grand when you know it's worth fourteen, and sneaky sales managers, oh man, I stole this trade. Well, guess what? They've got Carvana, they've got TrueCar, they've got AccuTrade, they've got um, KBB, they've got any number. We buy your cars for cash. They've got ten different places to get a value on their vehicle. Auto Nation advertising in uh, Houston that will uh, will buy your car even if you don't buy your car uh, buy our car send us your offers. Um, I think the the adapters to this strategy are the future of what's going to happen with major retail now. Carvana adapting to probably the biggest ballsy play that I've seen. We're going to go pick up your car and have you DocuSign and, and FedEx paperwork. To me, that's that is scary beyond scary. I mean, from a investor's perspective, I mean, these vehicles have to be inspected or the word's going to get out in the market and everybody's going to dump, you know, whatever they can dump. Well, what I hear you saying, Aaron, this is a wake up call for, for your, for your local dealer. It's a wake up call. It's, it's time to get in the ring. You know, Jason, I I think it was uh, a post that you had done recently uh, that I had commented on, I think it was one of yours, uh, you know, just kind of supporting the idea that if you don't have a proactive, profitable used car business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, by, you know, in 2019, you're going to start choking on dust uh, really fast. And we know that that profitability does begin at, the, you know, it begins with acquisition. That's what it begins right. with. And Carvana, this is a big win for Carvana, it sounds like. 
or it's your reaction to a bad acquisition is another major. And I, and I agree. I totally yeah. agree with you, Jason. Um, so because you, you're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to step up on things to buy things to outbid Carvana or somebody uh, to end my story. Needless to say, I did stop at Costco because it was on the way to Best Buy and I bought it the, a bundle there because it came with a pen and a keyboard for 200 less. They're about the same money as if I wouldn't went to Best Buy. But again, I justified that because I'm going, okay, I'm not going to get the help. So anyways, personal stuff. But yeah, it's going to be um, how that dealer re, um, uh, reacts to the bad acquisition, acquisitions. Um, but to also, it's appraisal process internal. A lot of that is regardless, even if they're buying cars from customers, um, you know, before they start complaining about the lane and how the lane is, or they're buying cars too much, or I can't buy them and make any profit on them, I go look at their evaluate their appraisal process, and it's horrible. They're not tracking, they're not saving, they're not bumping the trades in the system. And you know, if they bump them, um, they're just doing a very lackadaisical appraisal process internally. So yeah, I, I did do a video a while back saying, you know, going into 19, I think CPO is going to be big for, should be big for dealers, but appraisals is going to be the biggest part um, because trades are going to be tight and you got to get that process right. If you're bumping trades, don't just save the, you know, the first bid that you put in it, bump it in the system, assign it to every salesperson, assign it to the right managers and track and train what you're doing internally. It's the most important thing that happens on your showroom floor, but doesn't get tracked. I can go to a lot of stores and they have a desk log, a CRM, or they could track how many calls they did, how many ups they did, how many demo drives they did. But how did you do, how many appraisals did you do and how many did you take in and did you own them good or bad? They won't know, and um, but yet it's it affects your gross, it affects your volume, it affects your used car inventory. But it, it's done on a whim, and it's just surprising. And so yeah, that and then and then that transitions to what are you doing on the road and and, and street appraisals and everything else. Um, I think uh, you know manage what you can internally, and then once you get there, spread your wings. But hopefully dealers are already good internally, and they can start spreading their wings and start tapping in these other areas that these guys are going down. So let's wind this down, Ed, I'd love to let you get kind of a final word in here on, you know, we've kind of hashed it out, but you know, what's your final word on where, where does, where does our, where does your local dealer go from here? Provide a convenient experience, have it on your website, have it at your bricks and mortar, make sure whatever you're saying and doing on your website matches what you're doing at your physical location. Offer access to getting a trade evaluation beyond a guess, beyond a range. Actually get closer to transactional subject to the uh, actual uh, walk around of the trade. And offer an opportunity to do more than just buy a car at your dealership. And you'll become more successful. There's no doubt about it. And I think, Martin, to your point, keep it customer centric. Like you gotta, everything has to revolve around that customer. Yeah, no doubt about it. In fact, I think that we'll only see this trend continue. As uh, um, Ed touched on briefly, Sonic has now launched their own dedicated line of used car stores called Echo Park. Uh, and they're growing. I think they were just over 20,000 units. I, I expect them to do much better this year. Well, I just shared my screen to put some closure to this. Uh, folks, you're, you're tuned in uh, to our used car marketing. It's a dealer strategy session. If you go to autoconversion.net, look under webcasts, and you'll see this listed under here. 
And you, you can watch live like you're doing now. Uh, you can subscribe to the Auto Converse podcast. There's a link to that up here. And this will be featured on the podcast with, uh, pretty much within a week. And register for the series. Once you register, you'll automatically be included uh, or invited to, uh, uh, to watch, to join the webinar and watch um, every, time we, every time we set one up, which is about once a month. And they're brought to you by Vehicle Acquisition Network. Uh, where uh, helping vehicle acquisition network, helping dealers connect with uh, private with private sellers on their acquisition on their acquisition strategy. So, uh, Ed, Aaron, Jason, nice surprise having you here, and Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know all of you, uh, welcome back every time. Like I said, folks, we do this about once a month. So, uh, and that's that's what we're here to do, right? Is put our heads together, see what's going on, see what's developing, and see what we can do with it all. This is Autoburst Media.